Now, next week, we're starting our summer series. July, most of the times we do a series. It's going to be a five-week series on... You ready, Rachel? Put it up. What's it going to be called? The afterlife. What happens when I die? Anybody ever wondered what would happen to you after you die? Well, we're going to talk about that. Next week, we'll start our series. We're going to look at all the different theories. What do all the other religions believe? Uh, what do people think? What are they teaching? Uh, and we're going to look at all of them. And uh, we're just going to begin to make our way through all of it. Uh, but what does the Word of God say? What, do, what does God say? What do we believe? And so we're going to be talking about, for the next five weeks, the afterlife, where, what happens when I die. But today... We're going to get ready. Listen, if you get this message today, you won't be worried about what happens to you when you die. Amen? If you're worried about dying, then you need this message today. Because before this message, or before what I'm going to talk about, uh, you need to worry. Oh, but listen, if you get what I'm talking about today, you don't have to worry about dying because you'll know where you're going. Amen. So let's open our Bibles today. Uh, we're, I'm going to actually read quite a bit, uh, two few scriptures to you that I want you to really get in your heart. But go to the book of Hebrews, chapter number nine, and we're going to begin reading. It's so wonderful to see. Uh, you in the house today. We've got a lot of folks out. A lot of people on vacations. Chrissy and Elias are gone. Brother Cody did a fantastic job. Amen. Then worship. Thank you. Good job, Brother Cody. And uh, uh, we appreciate it. And I know each week people will be doing things. I encourage you to do something. Take the day. Take a, a weekend. Take a few days. Spend with your family. And just enjoy. But it's so good to see several that we haven't seen in a while. Welcome back. Good to see you to the Lord's house. And uh, we're glad that you're here. And we're looking for all of our families. Little by little, uh, we're coming back. But um, we want to continue to pray. And uh, just ask the Lord to keep us all safe and healthy. Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to begin reading in verse number 11. I'm going to read down through verse number 22. And so just uh, listen today. I want you to get this in your heart. We're going to then lay a foundation uh, and kind of go back to the beginning uh, of, of what we're talking about. And uh, I pray today that this will be a blessing. Today I want to talk to you about power in the blood. Do you like that old song we used to sing? I think it's page number 14, isn't it? There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Let's talk about that today. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven. Which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. That should have got a bigger amen than that. Under the old system, 
The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your consciousness from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ suffered or Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and the people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now when someone leaves a will. Anybody have a will? Anybody made it out of a will for when you die? We're going to be talking about the afterlife. Where you go when you die. But what's going to happen to your stuff when you die? Make sure you got a wheel. You're ready. Now, when someone leaves a wheel, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. This will go into effect only after the person's death. While the person... Who made it is still alive. The will cannot be put into effect. That is even that is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people. He took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said. This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, He sprinkled the blood of the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no Forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Oh, I'm telling you today, there is power in the blood. There is life in the blood. When people begin to get low on blood, what do we say? They're anemic. They start looking pale. They start getting weak. Listen, there's the, that we need in the church of Jesus Christ, we need a blood transfusion. We need a new injection of the blood of Jesus. Oh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, the blood... From the very beginning, Cain killed Abel. And God said, where's your brother? He said, I'm not my brother's keeper. God said, his blood cries out 
from the ground. Listen, there's life in the blood. And that blood, amen, is cried out. Amen, we need life. We need redemption. We need an atonement. What does it mean? What does atonement mean? We find in the book of Exodus, amen, God begins to institute the law. And we see that word atonement show up. At one meant. Atonement. It means that we can be at one with God again. Because of sin, man was separated from God. Because sin entered through Adam. Amen. There was a gulf, a chasm. Amen. We couldn't reach God. Amen. But God sent His Son. And He became an atonement. What does that mean? But before He came, God instituted that if there's going to be sin, and the only way it can be covered is by blood. They would make blood covenants. The blood was so important. And God showed them and taught them. And from the very beginning, He showed them how to kill the animal. Use the skin for covering. And He used the the, the meat to make offerings and sacrifices. And He instituted. Listen, without the shedding of blood. When Adam and Eve sinned, they found out real quick. There had to be death. Something had to die. To atone for that sin. Atonement. What does atonement mean? The word in the Hebrew is kafar. It means to cover. To placate. To cancel. To cleanse. To forgive. To pardon. To purge. Does anybody need your sins cleansed? Does anybody need to be covered today? Does anybody need to be forgiven today? Amen. Do you, are you here? You need a pardon. Amen. You're guilty. You know you're guilty. You've been sentenced to death. Oh, but before, amen, the sentence is carried out. The judge pardons you. Woo! I was guilty. I deserve death. I deserve hell. But Jesus. Hallelujah. And he began to set up an institute. A way. For, to cover sin. An individual. Could offer an offering. An individual could come and offer. A peace offering. To make peace with God. Hey, but don't you want to have peace with God? Don't you want things to be right with you and God? Well, in the Old Testament, they had to come and they had to offer a sacrifice. They had to offer a lamb or a goat. And when they came, they had to take that lamb or that goat and lay their hand on its head and kill it. We like it all clean. We don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want to uh, have to go through anything to receive forgiveness. But in the Old Testament, blood had to be shed. And they had to have part in that. And they had to lay their hand on it and kill it. And then the priest would take the blood and sprinkle it upon the altar. And then they would take that animal and they would burn it and sacrifice it to God. And God would forgive their sin. God made a way. Even in the Old Testament, 
for people. There's always been a need for forgiveness. There's been a need when we fail, when we sin, when we lie and cheat and steal and kill. Amen. There needed to be a way of restitution. There needed to be a way to make it right what I've done. Because when you do wrong, it makes you feel bad. You feel guilty and condemned. But when you make restitution and you make it right, you're released of that. So they would come and they would bring their sacrifice. And it was bloody. And it was dirty, but they could leave there knowing their sin was forgiven. And then once a year, the high priest would make a sacrifice for all the sins of Israel. One time a year, the high priest would come and he would go through the ritual and he would get ready and he would cleanse himself and purge himself and he would offer a sacrifice. He would have to take two goats. One goat would be killed. The blood taken and put on the altar. The four horns of the altar. They would have to put the blood and then they would take the coals from that offering. They would take the coals from that offer altar, put it in a censer. They would take the incense and they would go into the holy place. There in the holy place was the table of showbread, was the candlestick, and then right in front of the, 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 the veil was the altar of incense. That represents the Word of God, the Spirit of God. And then that altar of incense, the Bible says that they would take those coals and they would place on that altar. Then they would take the incense and place on the top and it would cause a smoke to rise and that smoke would go over into the holies of holies and it would cover the mercy seat where God dwelled. And then when the high priest would go in for there, the smoke would cover God's presence and he would live because they would die. They had to go in with a rope tied on their leg, bells on their robe. Because if everything wasn't right, if they had gotten a fight with their wife that morning and they hadn't made it right, they'd have dropped dead. We'd have some dead husbands right out in the foyer this morning. There'd be some dead wives out there. We'd have a lot of dead kids piled up. I don't know why it is on Sunday morning. The devil fights family so hard. Everybody's frustrated with each other and short. and It's crazy. It's the devil's business to get you sidetracked and get you. So when you come in the house of God, you're focused on other things. So you can't get focused on the important thing. But when the high priest would go in and take that. We just sang it this morning. Let our incense rise. Let our incense, the Bible says the prayer of the saints is the incense that rises before God. Just like that high priest, amen, goes in and makes that offering. Amen, the, the smoke rises up and God smells it. It's a sweet smelling savor. Your prayer, your praise, your worship rises into the presence of God. And God prepares for you to come into His presence. But the whole purpose of coming into the presence of God, of coming to the mercy seat, was to bring the blood. 
The blood that was an offering. The blood that would cover the sins of the people for another year. The blood of that sacrifice, that goat that gave his life. And now the priest would take that blood and sprinkle it seven times upon the altar. The number of perfection, of completion. The number six is six, the number of man. That's why the beast will have a number 666. Oh, but God, he's like sevens. On the seventh day, he rested. And the priest would go in. We'd have time to get on into all of that. But he would sprinkle the blood seven times upon the altar. Amen. The mercy seat. In that mercy seat was the law. Amen. The law that had been broken. Those tablets that were broken. Oh, but can I tell you something? Amen. The law is there and it's broken. But when God's mercy, amen, covers the law. Amen. There's forgiveness. Amen. When the blood of Jesus is applied, amen, to the broken law, it makes it whole again. Listen, we're broken. We're sinful. Amen. We failed. We've sinned. Our life is broken. Amen. We don't deserve God's mercy and grace. But when you apply the blood, it covers the law. The law brings death. The law is perfect. And we're imperfect. The law Amen. Comes with a penalty of death. But Jesus gives mercy and forgiveness. He grants us atonement. He grants us the opportunity to have our sin covered, to be canceled, to cleanse us, and to forgive us. And then the high priest would come out of that holy place and he would come to that other goat. And he would lay his hand upon that goat and pronounce all the sins of the people upon that goat. And then they would take it out into the wilderness and let it go, never to be seen again. It's called the scapegoat. You ever heard somebody call there just a scapegoat? Listen, I'm telling you, I thank God for the scapegoat. Amen. It took my sins away. My sins were there. Amen. My sins. Amen. But Jesus took them and nailed them to his cross. And I had to, don't have to see them anymore. All that you can read in Leviticus chapter 16, you get a chance, read that script, that chapter, tells you a little bit all about that. But there was a foundation. God was showing them the power, the importance of the blood. The importance of being covered. The importance of forgiveness. The need for forgiveness. He gave us the law and showed us that no man can keep it perfectly. We all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when we sin, amen, how can I receive forgiveness? One day, amen, do we know the story? Amen, Mary, you're highly favored. Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. You're going to have a child and his name shall be called Jesus. And he shall save people from their sins. It's amazing. It's not such a mystery why God spoke to the shepherds. Why they were the first ones to know about the baby Jesus born in a manger. They say, we've been right there in that shepherd's field. That those shepherds 
were the ones that watched over the sacrificial lambs. The ones that were to be sacrificed a year old without spot and blemish. Perfect. And they're the ones that came to see the Lamb of God. As John looked up and saw Jesus coming. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You see, under the old covenant, you had to keep coming back and coming back and offering a new sacrifice and another sacrifice. And that was okay. It was good to have that plan. If I sinned, I could go make a sacrifice. Oh, but Jesus has made a better covenant. It's an eternal covenant. Amen. That when my sins are forgiven, they're forgiven forever. They're never remembered again. Put behind His back. There is a new and a better covenant. Oh, without sin, this Lamb of God, Brother Cody said it this morning, all over my message, the Lamb of God, sinless, tested at every point like we are, yet without sin. He said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. I give it. He gave His life. He became that Lamb of God. Jesus left that Passover. Amen. Jesus took that cup and said, This is my blood. Drink of it. Amen. This is my body. Eat of it. He left that upper room and He walked down. We walked that path and He went over the Kidron. The Kidron River is where the blood, where the altar was. The blood from the altar would flow down into that river and down the Kidron Brook and the sides of it. Amen. We're stained red with the blood of the sacrifice. And Jesus walked across that kid drawn on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane knowing that his blood was about to be shed once and for all. And he would become the answer for the sin problem. The world has a sin problem. The world doesn't have a skin problem. It's a sin problem. Hatred comes out of the heart. Oh, but when God washes us in His blood, amen, we begin to love everybody. We're not going to hate anybody. Amen, but we're going to be brothers and sisters. We're going to stand because no matter what color our skin is, our blood is red. And when we bleed, we all bleed the same color. There's one race, the human race, and Jesus died for us all. Jesus shed His blood for the atonement of our sins. Not just so they could be covered for a short period, but so that they could be erased, canceled. I can be pardoned. 
and Jesus when He rose and Mary came, He said, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to the Father. Jesus took His blood. Jesus, He has become our high priest. He took His blood and He was worthy, as Cody said, worthy as the Lamb that was slain. And He went to the heavenlies and He took His own blood and He marched it in to the holy place and He sprinkled His blood upon the mercy seat. And now I can confess my sins and He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. Are you glad you're covered in the blood? I'm going to ask our band if they would come back. I'm going to ask my ushers, those of you that are going to help me, come. I'm going to show you, give you an illustration today. And then we're going to have a prayer line. Oh, some of y'all never seen an old-fashioned prayer line. Except, uh, this is a prayer line in the era of COVID. <laughs> it's hands-free prayer line. Our pastor is going to stand around. We're going to stretch out our hands and pray as you come. Gentlemen, would you please lift that up? As Jesus was lifted up on the cross. Please take that stick and flip it down. Down. There you go. Up. There you go. There you go. We didn't get to practice this. All the way up, please. Spread out. There you go. Looky there. Good looking gentleman. I need you guys to come on both sides, okay? Turn, face each other. Face him. Spread out. There you go. Listen to me. On this side of the blood. On this side of the blood. I'm black with sin. I deserve hell. I deserve to die. I've made mistakes. I've failed. If you've broken one law, you broke them all. And the penalty is death. For the wages of sin is death. I deserve to die. But when I pass through the blood, on this side of the blood I'm lost. This side of the blood, I'm found. On this side of the blood, I'm black, stained with sin. But though my sins be as scarlet, even when I'm washed in the blood, they become white as snow. On this side of the blood, I'm sick. I'm diseased. I'm a Roma way. I'm dying. But on this side. When I'm covered in the blood by His stripes, with every stripe on His back, the blood flowed. And when the blood flowed, it covered my sickness. It covered my disease. On this side of the blood, I'm healed in Jesus' name. On 
on this side of the blood I'm bound by habits and addictions I'm tormented in my mind amen oh have control and power but when I come through the blood I'm washed I'm purged I'm delivered and on this side of the blood I'm free and whom the Son is set free is free indeed my question to you today is are you covered in the blood which side of the blood are you on are you lost are you found are you dirty with sin or have you been washed are you bound or are you free today I encourage you to be washed in the blood this is just an example it's just a sheet but the real blood of Jesus. Listen. Out here, God looks down from heaven. He sees all of my sin. He sees my dirtiness. He sees my unworthiness. He sees my lostness. But when I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I say, cover me in your blood, and I get covered, when God looks down, He no longer sees me. He just sees the blood of His Son, Jesus, because I'm covered. Are you out here trying to do it on your own? Make it on your own? Earn your own salvation? You can't do it. You've got to be covered. You've got to be washed. You've got to be cleansed in the precious blood of Jesus. Would you be whiter than snow? There's power in the blood. Would you? Sin stains are lost in the life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There's power in the blood.